Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> wait, Liz, I hear that Tilly is not really a corgi. She, if she is, it's only a small percentage. That is like cool. less than ten. <laughs> so much drama all over social media. <laughs> I know. And I brought her to um, the cider bar the other day, and I took her out of the car, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, a corgi!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Requiem for a Stream, where you'll rock and roll in your grave. Okay. So, Tilly's not a corgi. That is upsetting. Um, (laughs) I know I saw Johnny's very upset about that on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, she is apparently a mega mutt, is what they said. Uh It's... They said that it's very rare to have a dog that they can't very well identify just because she's a mix of so many different breeds of dogs. Wow. That means she's healthy, though. Healthy immune system. Yeah. So that's a good thing. And she's still cute. She's so yeah. cute. She's Can I see adorable. her? Can you pull her to the camera? Hold on. Tilly! Oh, there oh, she is. Tilly! Hey, Tilly. I miss her. <laughs> I love her face. Hi, <laughs> Hi, Tilly. She's the best. Oh, my God. I love her so much. I'm trying to pay off she all my debts. She's like a little old man grunt when I pick her up. <laughs> oh, she's like, like oh. where are you taking me? <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know what I started watching on Netflix? Um, have you guys seen this yet? Evil Genius? No. No. So I watch a lot of true crime stuff, but I guess I've never actually, I've seen like reenactments, but I've never actually seen someone die on screen. Yeah, someone just told me about this because I just watched a true crime thing and I saw a dead body and it freaked me out. And she, and she asked if I ever seen Evil Genius yeah. because she wanted to extend the same warning. And I was like, I haven't, but thank you. I wasn't you. warned. I almost threw up. And it wasn't yeah. even a violent death, really. It was very, you couldn't really tell, but just knowing that it was real. And I yeah. know I watch so much true crime and I listen to so much true crime and I, I've seen dead bodies. Dead bodies don't freak me out. It's, but like watching someone die in real life like that, like in real time, like I almost threw up and it wasn't even like a gory, you know, death. Yeah. I just uh, watched a documentary of the woman who drove the wrong way on the Taconic. Oh, I love that documentary. What's wrong with Aunt Diane? Are there something yeah, wrong with Aunt Diane? dead body in it. Oh really? I don't yes. know, maybe that dead bodies don't bother me because they're. They show dead. a photo of her dead body at the crime scene. I think I like, do remember oh, that actually. Nice. <laughs> That's a little too real for me, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, but uh, I have an aunt Diane, so we thought it was always really funny. There's something yeah. wrong with Aunt Diane. That's funny. Though. But yeah, seriously, <laughs> there was something wrong with her. Um, it was really it's just very strange I know it's a good documentary it's like she drove um the wrong way up the Taconic right yeah yeah but yeah evil genius it's it's a very strange story so far I'm like a few episodes in but yeah I've never seen anyone I guess die like it really I almost threw up and it wasn't a violent death it's like when people watch those beheadings and they throw up or they feel sick um, but it wasn't even like it was from far away. You know, you couldn't really see anything. But just knowing that that happened was so, I don't know, I felt sick, which isn't like yeah. me. I'm not squeamish. I don't know. Oh. I haven't really fully recovered. I watched it last night. <laughs> I watched this yesterday. Oh. The Aunt Diane. Oh, my God. So we're like 
all on the true crime um, wave right yeah. now. <laughs> well, I watched this. I also watched um, Who Killed Nancy last night. So okay. to get up to date on on all this. So let me pull up my notes. Ha, ha, ha. So we're talking about Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. Pretty well known. He was born John Simon Ritchie in May 1957 in Lewisham. And uh, John and Anne Ritchie, uh, to the, or his parents, John and Anne Ritchie. Uh, his mother dropped out of school early due to, well, she just wasn't a school person. Um, she went to join the RAF, which is where she met her husband-to-be, Richie's father, uh, a guardsman at Buckingham Palace, um, and a semi-professional trombone player um, in the London jazz scene, in addition to being a guardsman at Buckingham Palace. So what, he was one of those guys that um, you can't get them to make a facial expression? Is, is that what they mean? Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah okay, much. that's Sid Vicious's dad. All right. Uh, <laughs> shortly after his birth, um, he and his mom moved to Ibiza. They were expected to be joined by his father, um, but uh, he, they, he didn't show up. He was supposed to – yeah, he just – he never arrived. So Anne realized um, that he was never coming. Uh, so she later married Christopher Beverly in 1965 uh, before setting up a family back in Kent. Um, Richie, uh, well, Sid Vicious, um, took his stepfather's surname and was known as John Beverly. Um, so Christopher Beverly died like six months in from cancer. So by 1968, uh, Sid Vicious and his mother were, were living in a rented flat, um, uh, in Tunbridge Wells, where he attended Sandown Court School. In 1971, the pair moved to um, East London. Um, he spent some time living in some... Uh, who cares? By the age of 17, he was hanging around London. Uh, one of his favorite spots was... So he was named Sid Vicious um, after uh, illicitly his friend's hamster named Sid bit him and he goes, Sid is really vicious. Um, (laughs) But apparently that animal is described as the softest, furriest, weediest thing on earth. Uh, So it sounded like he was kind of pussing out. But um, yeah, at the time he was squatting with with Leiden, um, John Joseph Wardle uh, and John Gray. And the four of them were known as the four Johns because all their names were John. Um, so they were living in East London. Um, according to Leiden, he and Sid Vicious would often like busk for money, uh, with Sid playing the tambourine. Um, they would play like Alice Cooper covers. Uh, people gave them money to stop playing. Um, (laughs) that's actually what happened. (laughs) Yeah. That's not a bad idea for a way to make money. Yeah. I might try that. Maybe I'll do something. Let's get in the subways, guys. (laughs) Once a man gave them um, three shillings, and they all, like, danced. Um, but Sid Vicious, uh, he just became kind of a dark person. He assaulted a journalist, Nick Kent, with a motorbike chain. Ouch. Yeah, and on another occasion, at a speakeasy, he threatened a DJ. And then 
When he began his musical career in 1976 as a member of Flower, the Flowers of Romance, um, he was then being considered for The Damned. And um, also Dave Vanian was being considered uh, for the lead singer, but Vicious didn't show up to his audition. Uh, and he always would say that um, Vanian... Uh, and his associates intentionally withheld information regarding the audition as an act of jealousy to ensure that he got the job and that Vicious didn't get it. So he held a personal grudge against them um, pretty much forever. He always hated, he always had an issue with the damned. So uh, during the dance performance at uh, day two of the hundred club punk special, the day after um, drumming with, the day after his debut drumming with, um, oh shit, mm. Mm. <laughs> he was intoxicated um, and amphetamine fueled. And he, Jesus Christ, who wrote this shit? Um, okay, so he hurled a glass at the stage. Uh, he was attempting to get Dave Banian um, as an act of retribution, but the glass missed and shattered on a pillar and partially blinded a girl in one eye. Oh my gosh. He yeah. was wrecked, arrested the next vicious. day and imprisoned. Yeah, no, seriously. That's horrible. Vivian Westwood sent him a book to read about Charles Manson to keep him occupied during his imprisonment. So that says a lot. Um, he, um, he asked, um, he was asked to join the Sex Pistols after Glenn Maddox's departure in February 1977 um, due to him being, you know, there at every gig. So, um, yeah, Malcolm Claren said, like, uh, if Johnny Rotten had the voice of punk, then Vicious had the attitude. Mm. And I guess he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He also said in person and in a documentary – that he had met Sid Vicious before he hired, if, if he had met Sid Vicious before he had hired Johnny Rotten to be the singer, Vicious would have been the Sex Pistols frontman. But because um, because he had the most charisma of anyone on stage. True. Uh, so he. So, hold on. On stage. So he was in the band, but he couldn't really play very well. Um, which I didn't know about Sid Vicious before this research is he really wasn't a musician. He was kind of just kind of there. He was the look. And, um, since he couldn't play very well, guitarist Steve Jones had a, a double on bass duties. So as well as guitar for the band's debut album. So in Nevermind the Bollocks, here's the Sex Pistols, barring two songs, Anarchy of the UK, blah, 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 blah. Vicious was allowed to play on, even though he would be overdubbed by Jones. So he wasn't really playing someone else's play. It's like he was lip syncing his guitar. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that. Yeah. But there's a lot of respect for him with that. Um, but he had the look and the attitude, the charisma that they needed. So. Yeah. yeah. His whole thing. And people only know him because of that. Like, he's not famous for his music. The right. Sex Pistols are, like, known for punk, but they're more, like, commercial punk, you know? And, mm -hmm. like... I feel like, yeah, it was more a look than anything else. Like, their music wasn't the best of punk that I would say. You know, I think of, like, I don't know, the damned I think of when I think of punk. But, uh, right. So, 
He was also not even on the album because he had hepatitis and he was in the hospital. So we're going to go into his main visitor, who is his girlfriend, Nancy Spunkin. So Spongin. Spongin. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call her Nancy. Sid and Nancy. Um, so she was an American groupie and heroin addict he'd met in 1977. She was also a part-time prostitute and stripper. Um, she was said to have introduced Sid Vicious to heroin, although he was already on a ton of drugs, uh, that were supplied by his mother and Beverly, who's a real treat, um, before nice. he met her. Um, okay, that's like maybe a five. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Korean? It was at least yeah, a little bit better. Time, give it, five. it was a little better than that last one, but it wasn't a very You're impressive one. You're pretty <laughs> So, um... In January 1978, they went to the, on the, the tour to the U.S., which was um, one to two weeks because the show had multiple cancellations because the group was, like, deteriorating. Uh, there was a lot of tension between Malcolm McLaren, Johnny Rotten, and Sid Vicious because Rotten kept accusing McLaren of, like, trying to wreck the very thing, the very thing that made the Sex Pistols great. So in San Antonio, uh, Sid famously hit an audience member um, who meant him physical harm in the head with his base. Um, apparently the audience member had antagonized him and shouted like that he was a faggot fucker before hitting him. Oh, wait. Or Vicious said he was a faggot fucker before hitting him. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Hold on. I'm trying to figure it out. Before he, I mean, it's something he honestly would say. Yeah, it sounds like him, right? Oh, yeah. He, um, remember the physical, the audience member had antagonized Vicious, who shouted, oh, "Oh, faggot fucker. So he shouted faggot fucker before hitting him with the bass. Um, Before the um, pistols took the stage there. So Vicious, again, going through heroin withdrawal, um, wrote, uh, he carved, give me a fix into his bare chest with a razor. He just sucks. Like, (laughs) he just sucks. Um, Okay, so after the show, uh, the group fell apart. And um, uh, Sid Vicious went on to have a solo career. Nancy was his manager. So let's talk a bit about Nancy for a minute. That will turn out well. (laughs) Yeah, really. Let's talk a bit about Nancy. This is uh, important. So... Nancy was born on February 1958 in Philly. Um, she went to the University of Pennsylvania. Oh, no, she didn't. Uh, where did I get that? Um, so- <laughs> she was born to like a middle class Jewish family um, who were in like a suburb of Philly. And supposedly she was a really difficult baby and always throwing crying fits, temper tantrums. And like this continued pretty late into childhood. Um, at three months old, she was prescribed a liquid barbiturate by the pediatrician um, because her violent behavior like persisted. Um, in an interview, uh, her mother said that, I know it's normal for babies to scream, but Nancy did nothing but scream. Um, so out the gate, she was, you know, yeah. Of a yeah. yeah. So she was, um, she apparently was very, she got really high grades, like, um, Sorry, she scored very high on an intelligence test and was allowed to skip the third grade. Um, And though she excelled academically, she didn't have a lot of friends and she was temperamental and exhibited violent behavior toward her younger sister, Susan. 
but was very caring toward her younger brother, David. So I wonder where that, that internalized about? misogyny yeah, came from. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's something with her. Um, so allegedly she threatened to kill a babysitter with scissors and mm. attempted to batter her psychiatrist who accused her of acting out for attention. So she was really punk rock, like from a child. Yeah, like, she was be, punk as fuck. From the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when she was 11, she was expelled from school because um, she was absent from class for like two weeks. She was, you know, acting crazy. So um, they had to send her to another school um, where she attempted suicide by slitting her wrists with scissors. When she was 15, her psychiatrist diagnosed her with schizophrenia, um, which kind of explains everything yeah, to me. Yeah, that kind of makes sense now, her behavior. Exactly. So she graduated from Lakeside High School in 1974, um, two weeks after her application to attend University of Colorado Boulder was accepted. So she began attending the university at 16, but five months in her freshman year, she was arrested for purchasing marijuana. From an undercover police officer. She was later arrested for storing stolen property in her dorm room. Jesus Christ, this girl is so crazy. She's so punk rock. <laughs> like, really, she doesn't need punk rock to be punk rock. She is punk rock. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, so she accepted a plea bargain. It resulted in her being banished from the state of Colorado. <laughs> yes. We don't want you here. Now it's like the le- only legal place to really smoke. Right. right? <laughs> I know. So after being fired from her first job on her first day, she began financing <laughs> herself by uh, stealing from her family and dealing drugs. She left home at 17 and moved to New York City, where she worked as a stripper and a prostitute. She followed bands like Aerosmith, Bad Company, New York Dolls, and the Ramones. In 1976, she moved to London Everyone thinks it was because she wanted to win over Jerry Nolan from the New York Dolls um, and the Heartbreakers. But uh, when she met, the, she met the Sex Pistols instead, she was going after the singer Johnny Rotten, but he wasn't, didn't really show any interest in her. So she pursued bassist Sid Vicious, and soon they moved in together. That's where you were saying that she rolled? <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain it to me, Liz? She apparently... I don't even remember what I said before. Just tell us about how Sid and Nancy met. (laughs) Well, basically, so she was, she seemed kind of determined to get a punk celebrity boyfriend. Yes. And um, she kind of like met up with Johnny Rotten and he didn't want anything to do with her. Like they shared a bed for a night or two. And he apparently said to her, you want it, but you're not going to get it. So she kind of just like (laughs) moseyed on over to uh, Sid Vicious and they two became one. They became a thing. That is romantic. He was all about it. To quote the Spice Girls, two became one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So they're this like infamous, famous couple now, do a ton of drugs. Um, So the morning of October 12th, 1978, Sid Vicious claimed to have awoken from a drug, like 
drugged out sleep to find Nancy dead in the bathroom floor of the Chelsea, the Chelsea hotel, um, in New York. Apparently she suffered from a single stab wound to her stomach and appeared to have bled to death. The knife, the knife had been, uh, bought by Sid Vicious the night before. Um, and he gave it to punk rock vocalist, Steve, Steve batters of the dead boys. But I don't really know what the fuck I'm talking about. Okay. Um, <laughs> he was, uh, arrested and charged with murder. He said that they had fought the night before, but gave conflicting versions of what happened next, saying, I stabbed her, but I never meant to kill her, and then saying he didn't remember, and at one point saying during the argument that she had fallen onto the knife. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that happened. You fell on my knife. <laughs> you fell on my knife ten times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, so, ten days after her death, he attempted suicide by slitting his wrist with a smashed light bulb at the hospital. He also tried to kill himself by jumping from a window shouting, I want to be with my Nancy or similar words to that or something. Um, it was pulled back by the hospital staff. So in November, 1978 interview, he said that her death was meant to happen and that Nancy always said she would die before 21 Near the end of the interview, he was asked if he was having fun. In reply, he asked the interviewer if he was kidding, adding that he would like to be under the ground. Mm. So then he was charged with assault again after attacking um, Patty Smith's brother, Todd Smith, at a concert at a New York dance club. So, yeah, that's the story. And on um, the evening of uh, February... First, 1979, a small group of friends, including Jerry Only of the Misfits and the future D-Generation founding member Howie Pyro, they gathered to celebrate him making bail at a Manhattan apartment on Bank Street. So he was clean, having been um, on like methadone program during his time at Rikers. Uh, but at the dinner gathering, his friend and English photographer, Peter Kodak, delivered him some heroin. So he overdosed at midnight, but everyone present worked together to get him up and walking like around to revive him. So he died in the night and was discovered dead by his mother and Beverly early the next morning. According to Eileen Polk, he had stated during his life that he wanted to be buried with Nancy, who was Jewish and buried in a Jewish cemetery in Pennsylvania. So Anne Beverly went with his ashes uh, to Philly to ask the mother, um, Deborah, if she, if, um, she could scatter the remains over um, Nancy's grave. And she was like, what the fuck? You want to scatter your murderers, the murderer of my daughter's ashes on her grave? Fuck you. So she said no. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, and Jerry only drove Beverly and her sister and two of their friends to the cemetery and scattered his ashes there anyway. Um, shortly after Sid's death, Anne Beverly claimed that, um, they had a suicide pact, Sid and Nancy, and, um, that his death was not accidental. She claimed that after he was cremated, she had found a handwritten note in the pocket of his leather jacket. It read, we had a death pact. 
and I have to keep my half of the bargain. Please bury me next to my baby. Bury me in my leather jacket, jeans, and motorcycle boots. Goodbye. So then later, in 1996, uh, Anne Beverly confessed to a journalist, Alan G. Parker, that she had purposely administered a fatal dose of heroin to Sid Vicious because she knew that he was afraid of going back to prison and had doubts about how good his lawyers were. And uh, he didn't think he could clear his name. So that's an interesting confession. So I guess she thought it was kind of like a mercy killing. I don't fucking know. Yeah. So that is Sid and Nancy. Um, thoughts? <laughs> that's a lot of You had said something. Oh, I – well, I mean – what I kind of like see parallels between Nancy and Courtney Love. That's what I thought. I thought, you know, they were similar. I think maybe Courtney Love was influenced perhaps maybe by her. In some yeah. Way. We were talking about how so. like there are those um, really destructive couples, like both really fucked up that f- and like they're yeah. kind of romanticized. People right. really romanticize Sid and Nancy. They really romanticize Court, like Kurt and Courtney, yeah. you know? And it's like, that's so that's so toxic. They were like they were both very toxic relationships. Yeah. yeah, and people end up dying, and people. I just I always thought it was really annoying that people like would make it like it was so romantic, and I'm like, no, it sounds like he was really abusive toward her, and yeah. like they both died. For sure. Oh, so we have to talk about the cat. Yeah, I was like, I'm wondering when we're gonna get to that. So <laughs> I don't like Sid Vicious because first of all, not a real musician. What the fuck. Second of all, he killed his girlfriend. Third of all, he killed a cat. Yeah, anyone who kills animals is just... Slowly and painfully. Horrible, yeah. I can't believe he did that. Like, I just... That's unforgivable to me, killing animals. He was going to be a murderer. Like, that was going to escalate. For sure. Yeah. He was heading down that... He was heading down that road. Yeah, for sure. I know he's a horrible person. I don't have very talented music. He wasn't so. very good. Like, I don't even want to talk about him. But he's so famous. Like, we but have to. He, yeah. But fuck him and his killer cat hands. I don't know. What do you think, Liz? Didn't he hang the cat? He hung the cat. Oh, my God. Oh. I saw that in, in an interview and, like, that was it for me. My decision was made. I was kind of wavering on whether or not I felt sorry for him. But there's not too much to feel sorry for. I mean, he had a really shitty mother, but that's about it. She really, um, she was such an enabler because she also did all this heroin. Yeah, he had basically had no chance for no that chance. kind of environment. So yeah. I do kind of feel in that sense. But he seemed to enjoy doing violent, shitty things. Yeah, to like he seemed to like it. So. I don't know. Well, he was just the image. He was really nothing else. So, like, he had to always up the ante. Yeah. That's all he could do. Yeah. Oh, I do myself now. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I feel like I would hesitate to break a glass bottle over someone's head. Because, you know... Yeah, I mean, most normal people would. <laughs> yeah. I'm bored not talking about a person here, so. yeah. yeah. I'm not the normalist of peeps. Oh, God. Yeah, so what do you think about, like, his whole influence, would you say, on punk? And I don't think he had an influence. Think had, I think yeah. fashion-wise he had an influence on punk, but I sure. don't think music-wise. I don't think of the Sex Pistols when I think about punk. I, you know, I had their poster when I was a teenager and stuff, Anarchy of the UK. 
But I really, when I think of punk, I think of The Clash. I think of The mm. Damned. I think yeah. of Dead Kennedys. I think of um, oh, Iggy Pop yeah. and Stooges. I think about, you know, The Slits. Didn't Iggy Pop hook up with Nan- Nancy Spongin? I mean, she was a groupie, probably. right? Yeah, of course. (laughs) She hooked up with a lot of guys. Oh, yeah, the New York Dolls. I think of the New York Dolls. Yeah. You know, the Dead Boys. Like, I just, like, I feel like that was, they were trying, that's when, like, they were commercializing punk, and that's when punk became more of a fashion statement than anything else. I think that's when punk died. Interesting. Yes, (laughs) it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get really, I'm really particular about punk because I feel like it's a very closed in thing for me. Like punk went from this time to that time and nothing after that is punk. It's punk inspired. And I hate when people are like, they'll say like, oh, I listen to this punk band, Green Day. And I'm like, that's not punk. What the fuck is wrong with you? Just because they dress punk doesn't mean they are punk. What the fuck? Yeah, like Green Day, remember some 41? They were all kind of classified as like punk bands. They were saying that they're punk and it made me crazy because I really listened to punk when I was like 11. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It made me so mad. Like, oh God. Yeah. And there's a lot of bands people be like, yeah, it's punk. I really like punk. And I'm just like, it's not punk. This isn't punk. (laughs) Yeah. So that's my thoughts on that. Who should we listen to? If we like okay, <laughs> so I think you should listen to Chuck Berry, The Rolling Stones, The Sonics, The Standells, The Guess Who, The Kinks, Black Sabbath, David Bowie, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, uh, Alice Cooper, Television, New York Dolls, The Damned, Death, The Dead Boys, The Slits, X-Ray Specs, Patti Smith, The Clash, The Misfits, Blondie, Susie Quattro, The Runaways, Dead Kennedys, The Cramps, Richard Howell, The Replacements, The Ramones, The Cure, The Jam, The Plimsolls, The Nerves, Psychedelic Fuzz, uh, oh no, I think it's Psychedelic Furs, whoops, um, Prodigy, The Buzzcocks, Black Flag, Circle Jerks, Bad Brains, Sonic Youth, Joy Division, <laughs> Nirvana, Hole, Bikini Kill, La Tigre, The Distillers, Shonen Knife. So, yeah, I guess I kind of went into Riot Girl a little bit with punk. I felt like that really took a lot of, like, punk roots. Um, a lot of these bands, I really, like, I'm listing them because they are punk, but, like, or punk-related, but they, I don't feel like they were inspired by the Sex Pistols at all. These were, like, very talented musicians that I've listed, a lot of them. And I just feel like I had to list them because we're talking about punk music and I love punk. But yeah, I think he was inspired by some of these people, but I don't think that he inspired anyone else because he was a dick. And a cat <laughs> He's a cat killer. Yeah. It's monster. Awful. He's a monster. Monster. And I'm, I can't believe that that little gerbil that bit him survived. <laughs> it probably bit him because he knew. He was an animal killer and a monster. He deserved it. He deserves to get it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh my god, it's awful. So, what is it? Um, stay mom. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wanted to read one more thing. Hold on. <laughs>